All right, welcome back to the Gospel for Life. We are so glad that you're joining us this morning. Um, in the studio today, Pastor Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring Reformed Church. Where did you get that name? Dayspring? It's from uh, Luke chapter 1, uh, verses 77 78. talks about the Dayspring from on high has visited us. Actually, the word Dayspring is uh, you know used in the King James, I think it... Um, it reads a little bit differently in uh, some of the other English translations, but it was always a reference to one of uh, Jesus's names. You know, he is the day spring from high. Mm. He's, he's, the, he's, he, he's the son of righteousness that arises in our hearts. Yeah, I love it. Uh, my name is Josh Bales. I'm from the Well Church, and that's not the name of a bar. We actually got that from John 4, <laughs> where Jesus says, you know, those who worship God must worship him in spirit and truth. And then in the studio, we have uh, a pastor that I get to serve with uh, almost daily, uh, Paul Luer, also from the Well. Glad you're here today, brother. Oh, thank you so, so much for having me again. Yeah, you betcha. So we are talking about... Um, Apologetics, and not so much the philosophy of apologetics, but how to answer common objections to Christianity. We're looking at this little book called Reason to Believe by R.C. Sproul. I got to say, it was Sproul that was like the gateway drug for me into both Reformed theology and classical apologetics. I think I was listening to this radio station like 15 years ago, I was on Eagle Road, and I heard Sproul talking about how you can prove the existence of God by a shoe. So he said there's only four possible explanations for that shoe. The shoe is either an illusion, or the shoe is uh, eternal, or the shoe caused itself, or the shoe was made by a shoemaker. And then he went through each one to show the absurdity of the three uh, previous options, and you're only left with the shoemaker. And and then he just expands that out and says, and and that's the same options that we have for the universe. Mm -hmm. Either this universe is an illusion, or this universe is eternal, or this universe caused itself, or there is a universe maker. And I just thought... It, it so blew me away that, that Christians actually thought deeply about apologetics because my experience up to that point was sentimentalism. So it was mm -hmm. it was really great. Uh, and I know that you, you love Sproul. Well, yeah, I, I think that, uh, well, the first book, of course, that I read from him was Holiness of God, uh, his book on um, you know, who God is. And then he followed that up with Chosen by God, which was the you might say the gateway to uh, a, a good understanding of Calvinism and uh, you know God's election. Those were those were two important books early in my life as well. Yeah. So we're talking about um, how to uh, give a reasonable defense of our faith in. First Peter chapter 3, verse 15, it says, In your hearts, honor Christ, the Lord is holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. So here's um, setting up the show today. Christians are often made to feel like they have a weaker position when it comes to defending the faith. But I believe that Scripture demonstrates that the shoe is actually on the other foot. On the other foot. 
Can you speak to the confidence that Christians should have as they consider how to defend the faith to objections? You know, I think for many of us as as believers, the apologetics, uh, you know, we've we understand something about Scripture here after the fact that the Holy Spirit has drawn us to Christ, and in that way, we have certain assurance within our heart. You know, we, you know, we, we, you know, He bears witness with us that we are children of God, and so in in that sense. We're not necessarily looking for an argument for ourselves mm-hmm. because we, you know, we have been convinced of those things in our heart. At the same time, apologetics has this uh, devotional quality. Yeah, you know, it demonstrates by the infallible proofs of Scripture and logic that it actually, you know, in such a way that you know, not only. Do we have this assurance from the Holy Spirit? But we have these validations uh, that we've been, we've thought God's thoughts correctly after Him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. If I can get autobiographical real quick. Um, speaking of that devotional quality of apologetics, um, I distinctly remember when I first um, encountered not just the assertion, but the 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 evidence, the argument. Um, for God being necessary, and that word necessary, um, fairly technical, philosophical term, um, meaning that the um, that he must exist, that there's no um, circumstances, there's no conceivable universe in which he doesn't, that he must exist. And I can remember um, just walking away from that um, and my heart was just worshiping because mm-hmm. my view of God just grew in that moment. Yeah. Uh, I, it's not that I didn't believe in God before, but when I, I mean, just think about how invincible, how, um, you know, we, when I was pondering that, it just, it just caused me to love him more. So, yeah. um, that's that truth has that effect, yes. right? I mean, when we're, even when, when we're studying God, we're not just studying some abstract thing, or studying a person, and truth is beautiful, and it's good, and um, it brings us to worship. So I, I guess I would just say, you know, to the question, can you speak to the confidence that Christians should have as we consider how to defend our faith? Um, the Bible says that that uh, everybody actually already believes in God. Uh, the Bible says that creation itself is an evidence of the eternal nature mm-hmm. of God and the divine power of God. And the only reason why there are atheists is because they're suppressing that truth. It's like shaking up mm-hmm. a can of soda and then opening it up and it exploding and putting your hand over it to try to prevent it from coming out. This universe is exploding with truth everywhere. And the person who doesn't believe in God, it's not an intellectual issue. It's a moral issue. They don't mm-hmm. believe in God because they, they hate God mm-hmm. and they don't want anything to do with him. And so I think that if, if you understand that, then you enter into these conversations with people mm-hmm. recognizing that you're, you're not so much trying to convince them. You're, you're, you're more trying to get them to put their guard down, to have their heart open to the truth. I, I think that's helpful. Well, and and Psalm nineteen goes to that. You know, we have two two great books. We have the book of nature, and then we have Scripture itself. Uh, we have uh, the general revelation, what can be observed in nature and everything else, and then uh, besides that, we have uh, God's word. And so both are important. You know, nature. You know, we're, we read in 
in Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God, the sky above proclaims his handiwork, day after day pours out speech. You know, there is no speech, it says, nor are there words where this voice is not heard. Yeah. So every human being has this voice of nature demonstrating the glory of God. That's right. And then, and then beside that, of course, we do need God's word to be convincingly brought to him. You know, we read further in Psalm 19, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. Mm -hmm. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More desired are they than gold even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Mm. By them your servant is worn, in keeping them there is great reward. Mm. So we get to we you know, we get um the general revelation which brings me to an awareness of who, that there is a God. And that he's a certain type of God. Uh, uh, yes. A yeah, omnip yeah, omnipotent, all powerful God. Mm -hmm. You know, um so it's a wonderful you know, I like you said People suppress the knowledge of God. Mm -hmm. He's already there. Yeah. Well, I, I, one of the things about the book of nature, so you said there's two ways that we can know God, the book of nature and the book of scripture. Christianity alone uh, sees the marriage between those two revelations. So in other words, if you pick any other religion, so Mormonism or Islam or any of the new age, um, Eastern mysticism, uh, book, the book of nature contradicts their claims, their, their religious claims. Mm -hmm. um, so, so, for instance, um, in Mormonism, um, they, they hold to a polytheistic view of the universe that there are multiple gods. Mm -hmm. um, but the book of nature flatly contradicts that. Um, logically, it's, it's impossible to have an infinite uh, regress going, going backward mm -hmm. into eternity. Mm -hmm. And that might be a little philosophical for some of our listeners, but the point is, is that Christianity alone um, has a revelation from Scripture that perfectly coheres and is consistent with the book of, with, with the book of nature, which in mm -hmm. itself is a proof. So let's talk about the scripture. Um, uh, one of the objections that, that people have is that the Bible contradicts itself. The Bible is just a fairy tale, it's said. Um, so let's talk about that. Is the Bible uh, just a fairy tale? Is it full of myths? You know, the, the subject of myth is very interesting. And, and Christianity actually, you know, you know C.S. Lewis would have said it, it's, it's true myth. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, you know, it, because uh, Christianity takes a, a radically different view of history than every other, um, you know, what you might find in Greek mythology. When you know, when we use myth today, we're we're talking about something that is false, that is untrue. Mm -hmm. um, when he spoke about it. Um, you know, it wasn't about untruth. It was the that the story of Christ was God's myth. Um, it was a it was the a true. Um, he talked about myth being truth wrapped in a narrative or a divine truth gleaming on the human imagination and holding to a certain historicity. And so, myth in the sense that we're reading a story, a, a, a narrative in Scripture about who God is and what His purpose is, mm -hmm. myth as, as story and narrative, but certainly not 
uh, something untrue. And uh, and so for for instance, um, when when C.S. Lewis, uh, you know comments on a passage in Second Kings in chapter 19. It says, when the Old Testament says that Sennacherib's invasion was stopped by angels, and Herodotus says it was stopped by a lot of mice who came and ate up all the bowstrings of, her, of his army, <laughs> an open-minded man will be on the side of the angels. Unless you start by begging the question, there's nothing intrinsically unlikely in the existence of angels or in the actions ascribed to them. But mice just don't do these kind of things. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the one is one, the one is fanciful. Yeah. The other one has a ring of truth about it. Yeah. You know, speaking of which, uh, the old adage, "Truth is stranger than fiction." Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think when you examine uh, scripture, um, there are a number of things that distinguish um, scripture from from myths. There are many embarrassing details about the hero, character flaws to the... I mean, what's ironic is actually the heroes are usually more flawed. Mm-hmm. Um, take David and Saul. Um, what was Saul's crime? Sparing a man's life. Mm-hmm. What was David's crime? Adultery and having a man killed. Yeah. And yet... So, um, and the other thing, though, is... is you know, in in a true account, what we see is something that no human mind could ever really come up with. So, uh, in scripture, I think we we see both of those things, which testify to the fact that this is this is true. Yeah, this is the true word of God. We will continue this conversation tomorrow. This has been the Gospel for Life. We'll see you next time. 